Hello? Hello? Oh, hi. I missed you. I am coming to you today to tell you that today is not the Women's Day off the internet. I know that I said September 12th, my birthday, that's going to be the day we shut the internet down. It is not happening because I decided that my birthday, despite the fact that it looms large in my life, might not have the impact to the rest of the world. But do not worry, we are still having the Women's Day off the internet, and I picked a day that is actually so much better than my birthday, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But first, I'm dropping something in the feed here. I got to be a special guest on one of my favorite podcasts, There Are No Girls on the Internet, to discuss a very particular corner of influencing, trad wives. That's short for traditional wives. These are women who dress up like it's a 1950s sitcom. I'm not even going to say like it's the 1950s because this idea of womanhood and motherhood and wifedom, I don't think it really existed in the actual world, but it existed on TV in the 1950s. And so the hashtag tradwives is a thing and they talk a lot about how they believe that feminism has ruined women, how working outside of the home has ruined women, how we would all be a little bit happier if we could just slow down and wear dresses and roast a chicken. But I feel that however you want to do your life, you do your life. If you want to stay home and raise your kids, that's work. You do it. My feminism is that you get choices. My issue with hashtag tradwives is that they seem to think that everything else a woman chooses outside of the home is somehow insidious and wrong. And I would say they're insidious and wrong. So I joined the one and only Ms. Bridget Todd, a fellow lover of nap dresses and the host of There Are No Girls on the Internet to dissect what is going on with these trad wife influencers. Who are they? And why do I hate them so much? At the end of the episode, Bridget and I will discuss the actual date for the Women's Day Off. And in the meantime, I'm about to get on a plane to go to Paris to meet Glennis. Go enjoy There Are No Girls on the Internet. You're going to like it. It's good. When the world is a disaster, people want nostalgia, even if it's a false nostalgia. And this nostalgia for a quote unquote better time when women were quote unquote traditional is really obscenely misplaced. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. If you are a woman, listen up, because I need to tell you something kind of important. It turns out we have all been tricked. Oh, yes. Feminism was a lie, and it was just a scam to get us working outside of the home so we could provide more taxable income to the government. It turns out that we were much better off back in the 50s as traditional housewives. Think about it. We didn't have to work outside of the home, and we could spend all of our time raising our kids and running a household. And we were so much happier back then, too. You know, back when we as women couldn't own property, couldn't vote, couldn't take out a credit card. Oh, and it was also legal for our spouses to rape us. So if you spend any time at all on TikTok, you're probably seeing an influx of this kind of content, which is commonly called trad wife content, short for traditional wife, that posits that women weren't just happier, but also, we were more empowered when we stayed at home and embraced more traditional gendered roles in the household. And I believe that this is not a coincidence. 
against the backdrop of some pretty scary and heavy political and social happenings. Things like economic instability, impending climate crisis, which always disproportionately harms women more, the gutting of Roe versus Wade, and the loss of the right to control our own bodies. I think content like this does two things. One, it responds to and exploits the understandable fear and anxiety that a lot of women are feeling, particularly in the absence of any kind of a meaningful institutional support. And I also think it's kind of meant to soothe us in a way. You know, don't be too angry, ladies. You are much better off without rights anyway. But all of this content is just a depiction of a fantasy life that never even really existed. And it's yet another way that social media is trying to sell women on a dangerous lie. I'm Joe Piazza, and I'm an author, journalist, and podcaster, most recently the host of the podcast called Under the Influence. On Joe's great podcast, Under the Influence, she chronicles how the business and culture of influencing social media and the internet has impacted women. And right now, a lot of what she's seeing includes trad wife content. So your podcast is amazing, and that was one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk to you today because, you know, I've been scrolling social media a lot lately, and I can't seem to get away from this, like, I guess, trad wife content, this content made by women that is sort of giving us this idea that being a traditional stay-at-home wife and mother is the path to power and happiness for women. Have you seen this content on your feed? Yeah, I, not only have I seen this content on my feed, but it has been dominating my feed for some reason. I don't, I, maybe sometimes I'm like, Instagram knows I'm pregnant and wants to force me to stay home in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant forever. <laughs> and it thinks you'd be happier if that's how you lived your life. And they think I'd be happier. And you know, so my gut reaction to this is, and it's the same as it is with most things. If you want to stay home and be a quote unquote traditional wife and, you know, take on all of the trappings of domesticity that were popularized by mass media in the 1950s, and this is what you really want, fucking awesome. You do it. You do you. And my feminism is mostly centered on women choosing what makes them happy. I do not necessarily think that, that this is the path to empowerment for the majority of women, but I I do think that this is becoming so popular. And we know that Instagram surfaces things that they think will soothe people's addled brains as they make them more addled because the world is kind of a disaster right now. And when the world is a disaster, people want nostalgia, even if it's a false nostalgia. And this nostalgia for a quote-unquote better time when women were quote-unquote traditional is really obscenely misplaced. Yeah, it almost seems like it is painting a fantasy portrait of a time that did not exist because, it did. you know, yeah. e even for white women back in the day, I I'm not necessarily quick to say that they were so happy, you know, it was like legal for your spouse to rape you. You couldn't own property. Mm -hmm. You couldn't, you know, take like ha have your own money. Like, I don't... You couldn't have a credit. You couldn't have a credit card. Right. And yeah, so I mean, it's most, it's, let's be honest, it's mostly can't having a credit, it's mostly not having a credit card and rape, marital rape. Right. So. And so I, I think it like, it harkens back in a way that, that paints these times as like really rosy and, and yeah, it's like, it's like a fantasy world that never even existed even during that time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And not to mention the fact that it 
Absolutely, 100%. Never even existed in media for Black women and women of lower economic statuses and immigrant women. So, yeah, it's a completely, completely false nostalgia. And I, I think you hit on something interesting, which is that these TikToks, especially that I see, that really seem to be trying to convince women that we've been lied to into thinking that having a job and, you know, working outside of the home is empowering. It really, for for that narrative to work, you basically have to ignore non-white women. You have to basically say, like, I'm a white woman talking to other white women in a world mm-hmm. where people who are not white, if if, if if they exist, we're not speaking to them. We're not thinking about their experiences. We're not interrogating that at all. No, no, exactly. The whole idea of a happy woman who enjoyed an idyllic life in the home, tending to her family while her husband did the wage-earning labor, is just kind of a fantasy. Obviously, it certainly did not exist for non-white women. And it kind of didn't even really ever exist for white women either. Or not the way we've been led to believe anyway. In fact, Joe says the entire happy housewife thing was a creation presented by a few specific pieces of mass media that made its way into the culture and just kind of stuck. I mean, the whole trad wife aesthetic really does come from a very narrow sliver of 1950s sitcoms. And we're talking June Cleaver, we're talking Daddy, Father Knows Best, Daddy Knows Best. I mean, the shows we saw in Nick at Night as kids, really. And it was mass media telling us that this is what the world looked like. When it didn't look like that for the majority of white women, it never looked like that for Black women, women of a lower economic status, immigrant women. And I think, look, we're desperate. We are desperate to cling to something because the world isn't working right now. I don't think that the concept of women working outside the home I think work has failed all of us, not just women. Work has failed to empower us as a human race right now. And so there is this small set of people saying, well, what if you didn't have to work? Look at these women who didn't have to work. These like three women who didn't have to work in 1954. Don't they look so happy in their gingham dresses with their beach waves that they never could have really gotten in 1954? They do that shit with the Dyson hand wand. (laughs) Yeah, I love your point that we're, even if you're thinking about mass media from the 50s, the trad wife stuff from that was shown there is only a small like, like subsection of shows like Lucille Ball, even she wanted to be on the show in, in or be in, in Ricky and in, um, Desi's show <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. So like, it, they're not even yeah. demonstrating that like it was a, a dominant, you know, a dominant culture. Never. Lucy wanted to work. Lucy was messy. Lucy was, I mean, I love Lucy. I just said I love Lucy. Um, Because she was delightfully fucked up in so many ways. And she kind of bucked the trend of the trad wife that was on TV in so many ways. You don't see that if you just like, you know, glance at one episode of the show, but she really did. And Lucille Ball in real life was a goddamn baller. She owned her brand. She owned her shit. She owned her show. So I, that she she was not a trad wife in any way, shape, or form. But the just the fact that we keep getting served this on Instagram, and this is not what I want to be seeing right now. I want to be seeing more nap dresses and caftans. And frankly, I'm just in the mood for some fucking cat memes. I don't want to see a travel. Let's take a quick break.
at our back. To be clear, there is absolutely nothing wrong with not working outside of the home or finding enjoyment in the domestic. But what can be scary are the ways that trad wife content can present a palatable pipeline for women to be led into extremist ideology. Yeah, and I think that you, you make a good point about the way that it's it's definitely being like surfaced right now uh, for whatever reason. And I think that's what I think can be kind of almost harmful, right? Like mm-hmm. trad wife stuff for me is like a little annoying, a little, I find it a little bit smug, but I know that a lot of that content can really be a pipeline into like more extremist thinking. You know, if you are saying like, oh, well, the world was much better in the 50s and the 40s when, you know, people of color, quote, knew their place and women knew their place. It's like a hop, skip and a jump away from some pretty nasty extremist, you know, ideology. I wouldn't even say it's a hop, skip, and a jump. That's giving it too much credit. That's saying that it it would it would take us three steps to get there. I mean, I think that our, we're 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 kind of just teetering on the edge of of the, of this dangerous territory. It also it's also for me very dangerous because it pits two groups of women against each other. It pits the woman who does stay at home for whatever reason to take care of her children, to take care of her home because she fucking has to because there's no goddamn childcare in this country against the woman who either chooses to work because she wants to, works because she has to. And it's setting up this dichotomy that says, oh, like this life is better than this life. Or this woman is so different from you that you are at odds with her. When at the end of the day, we're all doing labor. Raising children is labor. Making meals, cleaning the house, it's labor. Like neither of these things is necessarily better than the other one. Yeah, that's actually my biggest, uh, other than the like extremist ideology, <laughs> that's one of my biggest problems with this kind of trad wife content is that it really, I think a lot of times hinges on this aspect of comparison. And that's part of it that I don't like. I think there's like a smugness to it that's like, I figured something out that other women are too stupid or too shallow to see. And I just feel like if people... Like, I think people should do whatever makes them happy, whatever they can afford to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I also think there's a kind of, in some of the content, there's a kind of persecution complex. Like, oh, I don't want to be on Tinder or in the office or away from my child or having my children in public school and I'm demonized for it. And I think in 2022, I I don't, this this is my opinion, I don't necessarily see a lot of people demonizing women who stay, who aren't working outside of the home. I think that like, Frankly, if if in my opinion, if you can if you figured it out how to make that work for you, like I'm jealous. If anything, like I think that's great. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. And I think yeah, I think yeah. you're right. It sets up this dichotomy of two different groups of women where one is better than the other, or one's choices are better than the other, or more real than the other. And I just think it's not really a binary. Plenty of people, especially parents, will work, will leave the workforce, come back to the workforce. It's not this binary thing where if you are able and enjoy not working outside of the home that is like a, a that that innately makes you better i just think it like it, it it negates the reality of just like being a person who has to make choices that are right for right for their lives totally totally absolutely and also a lot of the trad wife content much like most of the content on instagram is a glossified version of reality. And it's also a lie. You know, a lot of these traditional wives claim that 
this trad wife lifestyle is about paying homage to a slower, more intentional lifestyle. There's nothing slow about being at home with two toddlers. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like, give me my work day any day where I'm like dr- sitting at my computer and drinking coffee rather than getting up every two minutes to be like, I need strawberries. This water doesn't have enough ice. Uh, there's something weird in between my toes. What the fuck? That is not slow and intentional. That is being, I say this all the time. I love my kids. Like I really, really like them. I like being a mom. And I also don't really want to be alone one-on-one with them for longer than three hours at a time. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm exhausted. I need a break. And I just, for me, striking a balance between doing meaningful work and caring for, I also don't want to come home at night and have them already in bed. Right. So meaningful work with caregiving. I mean, that's the goddamn sweet spot for me. And I think everyone has to find their own sweet spot. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, that's for, at least for me, like that's what feminism is about. Like pe- like women yeah. being able to make the best choices Choice. for them yes. and that being okay. And I think, you know, every time I see one of those TikToks, it's like, I live a slow life. Part of me wants to be like, what well, part of a slow life involves setting up a tripod? You know what I mean? Like if I'm living a slow life, I'm not like a lot, a lot of the TikToks that I see on that are like probably involve an incredible amount of like work to put together. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it doesn't look so mm-hmm slow and soft to me it actually looks like a lot of work went into this on top of being around your kids which we know is exhausting and draining awful I mean it's just let's be honest a lot of it is awful um yeah those beach waves that wasn't slow it took a lot of work those eyelashes you're all wearing you all got fake eyelashes on there's nothing slow and intentional well actually it's intentional there's nothing slow about putting on fake eyelashes oh no it's incredibly time consuming and like yeah and I think like that's I don't know part of me wonders if like there's just something about this content that is tailor-made for social media in that it invites comparison and it 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 can it is an easy way to sort of polish up a lie, you know, that like you're living a slow life, you're so centered and in touch with your kids and yada yada yada. But in fact, it it can be none of that, but you're presenting this very pretty package to women and moms, a lot of whom are frankly at their limit. They've been doing remote learning, they've been through this pandemic, we've gone through like tampon shortages and baby formula shortages and no no meaningful institutional support or help selling, continuing to sell moms this polished up lie is almost kind of cruel to me. It is cruel. It's absolutely cruel. Uh, because, And I think it's just, it's a very patriarchal view of the work of motherhood, of, of saying, oh, look at these beautiful pictures of these beautiful houses. This is so easy. This is a slower life. No, that is work. That is so much labor. And, you know, I've I've dabbled in the domestic arts at times. And that's that frankly, that's harder work for me than having a dozen meetings in a day, trying to make a zucchini bread. Okay. Like it's just like I'm not good at that. It's not innate to me. That's not to say someone someone else doesn't wildly enjoy it. And I do think that we have sidelined, we've sidelined work in the home. Right. And the big, the big, my biggest issue is always that we just don't call things done in the home work, but neither do the trad wives. They're, they're blowing off that work. They're saying this is a slower and easier lifestyle and not recognizing that everything that a woman does in the home is actual work. Yeah. I think that's a good point that like, 
if you are a mom or a parent who is engaging in the pretty exhausting work of raising little humans, to have someone go on social media and be like, actually, this isn't labor, this isn't work, this is just something mm-hmm. that you know you shouldn't that you should always enjoy that should come naturally to you as a woman that should just be really pleasing and nice and happy and gentle and slow. I think a lot of parents, the work of raising a child does not feel happy or slow or mm-hmm. or any of that. And I don't know, it's just another way to lie to women about the work that we're all doing that we are doing and, and sort of this burden that we all have to, sh- that we're all shouldering and telling us that we should enjoy it all the time. It just is like another added way that we're just not supported. No, it's really, it really is. It's another way of putting it down and putting down the labor that we put into a life to make a life, to raise human. I think, I think that raising human beings is one of the hardest things that I do in this portfolio of many things that I do in our economically precarious society. But it also, it's just, it remains undervalued in the traditional wives movement. While they claim that they're elevating it, are continuing to undervalue it by saying this is an easier way of life. Oh, that's so true. I really want to see like the 70s, 80s era, completely checked out mom who has not seen her kids all day. And when they come home, she's like, oh, I hope you've been fed because I'm <sighs> not yeah. making dinner. I want that mom to come back into vogue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I the parenting book that I want to write, and then no one will let me write because cancel culture uh, is a parent like it's 1984, man. Put them in the be- way back of the car. Let's find some candy cigarettes, right? And just and plop them in front of the TV and give them all the sugary cereals because you know what? And smoke, I guess, smoke and drink in front of them too because that was my life. Um, even though if I had a cigarette now, I'd probably die. But sometimes I still think about it, about how like wonderful it would be. Um, and I feel like I turned out fucking great. <laughs> and I was a latchkey kid whose parents chain smoked two packs of cools a day in front of me. I don't even have asthma. <laughs> it's honestly so funny to see the different, like, I don't want to say trends, but waves of parenting. Because, yeah, I was parented like that. I was. I feel like I was the last generation of of kids whose parents were like, go outside. I don't want to see you for several hours. And like, if you did that today, you'd be arrested. Well, it was funny. I have a story which will probably get me arrested and I'm like, I don't care anymore. Um, just don't take my kids away. Okay. Like I'm a good mom, but it was pouring fucking rain yesterday at school pickup. And my husband hates using a car because we live in the city. And so like, obviously like I dropped my toddler off at her first day of preschool pick her up again in the pouring rain. I'm seven months pregnant, by the way. I'm huge. And I asked another parent that had a car there if they could drive me the four blocks home to drop me off. And they're like, oh, I don't know if I have enough seats. And it was like a massive super. I'm like, we'll just pile into the way back. It's fine. It's four blocks. They wouldn't do it. They're like, there's no seatbelts back there. And I was like, but it's the way back. <laughs> It's okay. I'm like, we, you know, I mean, like, again, like, I'm not going to do it for like a three hour road trip with my kid, but like, we're just so afraid of everything anymore that I, and I think it's, it's created, and this is a whole other episode. It's creating fucked up kids. It's creating kids who don't know how to live in the goddamn world as the world is burning down around us. But that's, that's another podcast that no one will let me do. I had that same experience on a family trip recently where my sister-in-law, we were piled into a car and she was like, I'll just hold her on my lap. Carsey, yeah. we're we're going two blocks. It's fine. <laughs> two blocks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Again, like I think so many corners of the internet are dark and terrible for women. And the ones that are dark and the most dark and terrible are the ones that 
look the prettiest. Mm. That's such a, I mean, I think you're right because, you know, I'm not a parent, but I can imagine if you're a new mom, it's scary. And then you go to these social media places or spaces that are ostensibly supposed to be about support and helping you. And they just make you feel that much more inadequate and alone and terrified. Terrible. I would never want to be a new mom again and be and be scrolling the internet and looking at Instagram. I, I'm just happy that I'm an old mom at this point who is just going to let a third child fall out of my body and probably sleep in a cardboard box next to it. <laughs> but I, I just, yeah, I don't have time for it. But go, like thinking if like, I was so terrified about new motherhood, which all new moms are. And then they see these kinds of pictures and they're like, I'm failing. Well, women, we think we're failing every day. I wake up and feel like a failure, even though like rationally, I know that I shouldn't. I write good books. I make good podcasts, but like, I still feel like I'm failing every day. We don't need another person to tell us that we're failing. Especially not doing so under the guise of, I'm telling you this to help you. This is, this is just for your own good that you need to know this information about how much you're failing as a mom. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't, again, like women working in the home, raising children, doing domestic labor, good thing. Women that say that we, women have failed by being in the workforce, workforce, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you real hard. More after a quick break. Let's get right back into it. I do have one last quick question for you. So speaking of all things throwbacky and traditional, especially for women, I happen to know that you have a particular interest in a one Miss Laura Ingalls Wilder. If you don't know who that is, she was the writer of the series Little House on the Prairie, which became a TV show and was massively influential. Can you tell us about that interest and where it might take you next? What a badass bitch she was. Yes, I I love me some Laura Ingalls Wilder. I read all the books growing up, but I'm not as much of an obsessive as my dear friend, Glynis McNichol, who co-hosted Under the Influence with me um, and who also married my husband and I in front of a sphinx seven years ago. Uh, I mean, she's like a freak about Laura Ingalls Wilder. And, but we're both obsessed with how this woman's real life stories of growing up on the prairie have become like the like most read books, probably among the most read books in the entire world, and also have shaped how we view the American West. And we are doing a new podcast called Wilder, which comes out in March, where we spent a, a good chunk of this summer traveling around the United States, going to the Laura Ingalls Wilder homesteads and revisiting what her legacy means to America. What she got wrong, she didn't get everything right. She fucked up a lot of stuff. Like, she really, there's a lot more that she could have included in those books about what was happening in Black America at the time, what was happening with the indigenous people whose land that her family was constantly moving on to. That said, she was so ahead of her time in terms of being a wild child who just wanted to explore the world. And those story, the things we reported out um, while doing this podcast have been so fascinating. My favorite is that Laura is really huge with Japanese tourists. Oh, huge! She's huge in Japan. Who knew? And um, 
it's for a couple of reasons. One, Japanese schools often use the Little House books to teach English. Um, the darker side of that, um, many of the internment camps forced people to read the um, Laura Ingalls Wilder books here in America. And then the television show was wildly popular. So these little towns, these little very white rural towns where Laura's from, get busloads of Japanese tourists visiting them every year. But to their, like, the towns love it. And it has actually opened the town's eyes to different cultures that they never would have experienced were it not for Laura. And so, and that's just like one of the little tidbits that, that we loved while we were doing this. And yeah, that podcast is coming out in March. I'm also hoping to work on a podcast about Judy Bloom <gasps> and her her, endure, her enduring legacy on our lives. Oh my God. Women. Please, I am obsessed with Judy Bloom. When I was a kid, the uh, book, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Are like, you there, It's God? like, it was, I, we like trade, I mean, this is, we used to trade it. Like when I was in like the fourth or fifth grade, it was, for, we thought it was like the most grown up, like, you know, book about our bodies and our, our the way, you know, we would like, tr- like, like trade it to each other. Like, have you read this? Mm-hmm. I know, I know that one. And then also Deanie and forever. I'm like, this is the dirtiest sex I've ever read about. Um, yeah. All right. Great. You're going to come on that show. Oh. I'm trying to get that green lit right now. So you're coming on it. I'm going to tell everyone that you're, you're I'm right. in, I'm in, it. I cannot wait. Right. Joe, thank you so much for being here. Where can folks keep up with all the cool work that you're doing? Unfortunately, the fucking Instagram <laughs> at Joe Piazza. <laughs> At Joe Piazza author. Like I spend all of my days trashing Instagram and saying how much I hate it. And then I'm like, this is not really the easiest place to find me. So thank you, Instagram. At Joe Piazza author is the easiest place. And I'm gonna have this baby in like two months. So I'm gonna I'm either gonna go dark or I'm gonna become a traditional one. <laughs> well, everyone will have to check in on your Instagram to see which way it goes. <laughs> which way it goes. Exactly. Awesome. That was just a little bit of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Now we're going to play a little bonus thing that I did with Bridget talking about why we postponed the Women's Day off the Internet and exactly when we're doing it. We picked a good day. Promise. This is a very special episode of Under the Influence because everyone has been asking me if we're doing a Women's Day off the internet, as I promised everyone, and I don't like to break my promises. We were going to do it on my birthday, which is September 12th. And the reason it hasn't happened is that I think it will be a failure. What makes me say this? Because I have seen many, a many, a many, a many, a many a group of women try to organize an internet strike, and it has not had the kind of impact that a lot of women have wanted it to have. And I don't like to set myself up for failure, but I know, Bridget, you've been on the show before, and you are also a woman who lives in the internet. You're like deep, deep in the cracks of it. You're in there. and But you've, you've worked on strikes before, internet strikes. And I want to hear from you if they've worked, if they're worth it, how we could improve upon it to actually make a fucking impact? Ooh, what a good question. So I was part of an internet strike. It was just for three days. Um, That's a long time. It's a long time. It's a long time. It's a long time. I almost wonder if it's too long because by day two, I was like a bit twitchy. It was like, what's going on on Instagram? I don't know if I would say that particular time off social media was 
effective in the way that perhaps the organizers had intended, right? Like, did it impact Meta's bottom line? That I couldn't say. Uh, Was it like a financial impact on them? Unsure. But I do think that there is an empowering to say like, I, the person, the user, the individual can be more in control of how and when I use this, right? Like, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't decide when I want to log on to Instagram. He can't control me via little dings on my phone or these little kind of insidious ways that they buy for our attention. That doesn't control my behavior. I control my behavior. And so whether or not it was impactful for Facebook's bottom line, I couldn't say. Whether or not it was impactful for the people who participated to kind of reclaim and reaffirm our agency over social media apps, I would say yes. Yeah, no, I and I agree with that. I think what I'm getting tied up on is I'm like, when we've discussed the Women's Day Off, we've compared it to the women's strike in Iceland that completely changed the course of women in history in Iceland. So in my mind, that's I want to just completely change the course of women's history with this strike. I do think it'll be beneficial to anyone that does it. Any day that I put my phone down for a day or for six hours, or I just don't pick it up right now to check it, is incredible. But I'm I'm worried we won't see the impact on the bottom line on the businesses. And then it will be seen as a failure, which is stupid. Again, like women, we're like constantly convinced that we're failing at everything. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think that we've created a situation where both us as people who use social media apps and the tech leaders who make these social media apps have completely neglected and overlooked the power of users. And so I do think that when users do something as a collective, it can be really powerful, right? Like there are so many examples in recent mind, you know, where people all doing one thing on social media did have a, you know, create some traction. And so I understand your trepidation to engage in something that might not pack the punch that you're hoping. But I do think that women are powerful. We use social media more than men. We use social media more than other marginalized groups. And so there's power in that. And I think anything that we can do to take that power back is good. You're right. You're encouraging me to do it. Maybe we should do it on my due date. That's what I was going to say. Right. I'll just, why don't I just alert everyone that I'm going into labor and then we'll all get off the internet together on December 9th. I, or I was, I was also thinking that maybe we could have it around the holidays. Like maybe it's Black Friday. Like that could fuck things up. Right. If no one's posting on Black Friday or on Amazon Prime Day, God forbid. Yeah. I think finding one of these days to peg it to where like there are so many days that I personally feel like social media and all of the pressure and implications around it have kind of ruined the day, right? Mm -hmm. Like Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. used to be my favorite holiday. It was a holiday that my family always got together. And then I remember when social media came, you know, like I'm old enough that I got to have many Thanksgivings without social media being a, a meaningful presence in my life. And now, you know, I scroll through and I see these perfect looking tablescapes and this and that. And I'm like, this doesn't look like my Thanksgiving at all. Like, and it it kind of invited this comparison and critique that was never there before. I just got to enjoy this like messy holiday where my uncle got too drunk and fell asleep with his pants open or something like that. Not these manicured, picture perfect curated visions of the day. And so it was like invited this, this scrutiny and this, this judgment that I never had to even think about before. Days where Social media has really invited us to like... To ruin the day. Exactly. Yes. Yes. What if we do it on Thanksgiving? Let's give thanks for not being on the fucking internet. Yes. Spend a day with your family. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay, great. And Thanksgiving gives me plenty of time to plan all of this. Guys, the women stay off the internet. 
It's now Thanksgiving. And here's why it's also wonderful, because women who use these social media platforms for a living, this is meant to be a day of rest. Many people are are typically off. I know so many wage workers in our country and laborers who will not be off on Thanksgiving. I will say when I was a newspaper reporter, I was never off. I was always the person working on holidays. So not everyone is off. We are acknowledging that. But the Women's Day off the internet is Thanksgiving. Bridget's going to join me. We're going to wear nap dresses. We're going to send each other pictures of nap dresses and Bridget's uncle with his fly down. <laughs> Passed out on the couch, and we're taking back Thanksgiving. Let's take it back, baby. Love it. Done. <laughs>